Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Nature's Finest, your destination for hiking and recreation destinations. I'm both sad and excited about this episode because it's the third of three parts of the Cumberland Gap area. We're going to wrap it up today. Makes me sad to think about wrapping up this three-part episode discussion about such a beautiful area. I just love it there so much. I could probably spend the whole duration of this podcast, episode after episode, just talking about something different from the Cumberland Gap area. But there are so many other places to see that we definitely won't run out of things to talk about. So far, we've paid a visit to Cumberland Gap National Historical Park and Pine Mountain State Resort Park. Each had its own unique perspective on the area, its own unique topography and geology, and history for that matter. Each park also had its own unique take on outdoor recreation. And all of that is also true of our final stop, where you can see an old fort and walk about nine miles of the very historically significant Wilderness Road. There's also a historical house that hosts tours, weddings, events, anything you can think of. You can also go to this park to see demonstrations of life way back in the day, and I'm not talking 50 years ago. Today... We're going to talk about Wilderness Road State Park, just outside of Ewing, Virginia. I really treasure this park. It's right up there with the other two, and I'm very excited to introduce you to the newest park in that general area. And we'll start that with a brief history. Wilderness Road State Park opened to the public in 1993, which makes it just a little younger than its counterparts over in on the Kentucky side. It combines the adventure of a recreation park with the history and educational potential of a historical site. The result was a park with miles of trails and a replica of Martin Station, which depicts a Revolutionary War-era fort. Reenactments occur there often, and they have since the park opened. I want to say they happen every week, every week or two, something like that. Often enough that you're likely to be there on a day when they're demonstrating. And my favorite part about this park is that it encompasses almost nine miles of the original Wilderness Road forged by Daniel Boone. You might remember me talking about another section of the Wilderness Road which is protected and maintained by Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. And that portion links a lot of the trails, a lot of the other trails within Cumberland Gap National Historical Park to one another. Kind of made it a main drag, so to speak. Over the years, further development happened at Wilderness Road. Plenty of picnic areas were put in, shelters, a museum. And the museum actually is in the same building as a theater where you can watch uh, 
a little movie about the history that happened right there at the park. So whether you're there for recreation, learning, or both, this park is going to be a great place to stop for you. And without any further delay, I'm very excited to talk more about what the park offers and get a quick overview about what the area offers. A little refresher course, if you will. I'm going to start with the amenities that the park itself offers. And it goes without saying, Wilderness Road State Park, despite its relatively small size, offers you an abundance of opportunities to recreate in a variety of ways. While you're in the park, you'll have opportunities to hike, walk, ride a horse, ride a bike, have a picnic, and camp. And all this awaits you in just a little 310-acre state park. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a museum and a theater, which shows a movie about the area's history. There's a replica of Martin Station out behind the visitor center, maybe half a mile away. And there's reenactments there often. And the visitor center is where you'll find a lot of things, really. That's where the museum and the theater is. It's where you can find concessions, drinks. They have everything from junk food to candy bars and soda and water and stuff. Just your normal snacks. They don't go too in-depth, but there's a few things. And there's some interesting souvenirs and gifts as well. This is also where you're going to find restrooms. And if there's no one in the entrance booth, it's also where you'll pay the $5 entrance fee. Worth mentioning, out of the three parks in this area that I've covered so far, and a state forest on the Kentucky side that I may cover in the future, Wilderness Road State Park is the only park that charges an entrance fee. And I believe they refer to it in that park as a parking fee. Either way, please don't let that deter you. Entrance fees are well worth paying to help keep our parks funded, and you'll just marvel at how far the money goes when you go there for yourself and see how well-maintained, clean, and beautiful this park is. There's also, as I mentioned earlier, some picnic areas. Uh, some, if not all of them, are equipped with shelters. And over where all the picnic areas are, you'll find more restrooms. I believe there's also a couple of picnic tables at each end of the Wilderness Road Trail. More explanation on that in a second. Also at the opposite ends of Wilderness Road Trail, you'll find additional restrooms, although these are porta potties whereas the other two, the ones at the picnic areas, that is, and the one in the visitor center, those are real with running water and air conditioning. And also, as I mentioned earlier, there's a historical house on the property. You can rent this for events. You can tour it. And, of course, then there's the reenactments, which, while I've never actually been to one, they are said to be really cool to experience. And like I said, these take place at a 
an outdoor replica of Martin Station. And you can even go out to it. They don't close it down if there's not a reenactment. So you can go and check it out just on your own. If you don't need a tour or a reenactment, you can just go out there and take a look. I think there are some interpretive signs. And not too far from there, kind of nestled back in the woods a little bit, there's another replica of some sort. It looks to me and my dad, who I usually go with, that it's a Native American village. And possibly part of the reenactment is to show a battle that happened in the Revolutionary War era between uh, Native Americans and the Americans at the time. Because it would have been right about then, and I'm a little rough on my history, but somewhere in that era, we expanded west of the Appalachian Mountains, which the Cumberland Mountains are part of. Which means we could have bumped into Native Americans, I would think, going out over the Cumberland Mountains like that. But either way, anything I said that was incorrect, they'll correct you at the reenactment. I highly recommend you go to one. I've been meaning to make it. I just haven't had the time, and I haven't been lining up my visits down there very well uh, versus when they do the reenactments, but I certainly have been meaning to do one. And if anybody experiences one before I do, let me know. Let me know how it goes. Now, getting to Wilderness Road State Park is the same as the others. You have 25E, US 25E, and US 58. US 58 runs east-west, goes out further into Virginia. US 25E comes up from the north and goes north-south. Most people coming from, at least at least coming from the north, Cincinnati, Louisville, will find themselves on 75, Interstate 75, take the US 25 exit in Corbin, and just follow the signs to Barberville, Pineville, Middlesboro, and then, of course, once you're in Middlesboro, you're a stone's throw from everywhere else, Cumberland Gap, Wilderness Road State Park. Wilderness Road State Park itself is on US 58 with a well-marked entrance. You don't have to turn onto a side road and then drive down a windy side road looking for the state park. It is right there. It has it has property bumping up against the highway. It's pretty difficult to miss your turn if you look for the sign. The sign's pretty big. So now... I'm going to give you a little refresher on lodging in the area, what's there to do other than visit the parks before I get into the actual experience of Wilderness Road, which is a wonderful, wonderful park. But the interesting thing is, while this is going to be mostly a refresher course, I do have a couple of items I'd like to share with you that are brand new. I discovered another lodging place, I discovered another restaurant, and I'm extremely excited to share those with you. But I'll take it from the top and fill you in on those later. So, as you might recall me saying in the previous two parts of this episode, 
Cumberland Gap is not really a touristy area, and once you visit, or if you've visited before, you already know what I mean, but once you visit, if you've never been, you'll know what I mean. There's lodging, there's food to eat, but it's not all built up like how Gatlinburg is over in the Smokies or anything like that. It's a pretty laid-back area. Most of the people who are there are living and working there, or they're going to school nearby at LMU, which is in Harrogate. And so while there are plenty of visitors for the parks, it's a lot of locals, a few people regionally, a lot of students from nearby colleges. Which is great because, unlike Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, when you get in the McDonald's drive through line, you're not backed out onto a parkway waiting 50 million years. You're getting in line behind all the five other people that live in the area that want McDonald's. So that's a pretty nice luxury. But with that said, I'll cover lodging first. And while there's not a whole lot of lodging out by Wilderness Road State Park, and by that I mean within a stone's throw, I don't, matter of fact, I don't think there's any, there are some great options within a few miles, one of which is the campground at Cumberland Gap National Historical Park, which is maybe five, six miles from Wilderness Road State Park. It's not a bad drive at all. Worth mentioning also is the fact that Wilderness Road offer, offers a few primitive camping sites. I don't have any experience with those, but they're there for the taking. I believe they're first come, first serve, but do not quote me on that. But if you go a few more miles down the road, however, in the town of Cumberland Gap, you've got the Cumberland Gap Inn. Now, I've driven by this hotel for years, thinking it might be a place to stay, I don't know. Almost kind of looked like it could use a coat of paint, but I otherwise wondered what it would be like to wake up in the town of Cumberland Gap, which is a really charming town, built right up against the base of the mountain on which the Pinnacle Overlook sits. I'm going to guess the people at the up at the Pinnacle Overlook probably have anywhere from 18 to 2,400 feet on the, over the people who are walking around down in the Cumberland Gap town, which is kind of cool. It is really cool to be at the base of some relatively tall mountains like that, or at least tall for the that section of the Cumberland Mountains. But anyways, I stayed there recently. As a matter of fact, I did so within about a couple weeks or a month or so of recording this episode. And it is really an awesome experience. A wonderful hotel, and you might drive by it and also think maybe it could use a coat of paint, but it really actually is a great hotel, very clean. I have pretty high standards. And I have stayed there, and I would stay there again. Comfortable beds. Everything works. Nice, quiet rooms. And a very convenient location to a few restaurants and things to do within the town of Cumberland Gap, which is really cool. 
beautiful town. They've got the Gap Creek Coffee House, which I've mentioned before, and there's a new restaurant, which is even closer to the hotel, that I'll be discussing in a minute or two. And of course, more on my personal experience with the hotel, I'll offer later on when I talk about my thoughts on the park, my personal experience when I visited. But the, f- the further you're willing to drive in terms of lodging options, the more of those that you'll actually have. So I've only covered two, maybe three lodging options so far. But if you go further north just a little bit to Middlesbrough, Kentucky, which is about, all told, probably 10 to 15 minutes from Wilderness Road State Park, you probably have the most number of options being in Middlesbrough. There's three or four hotels, I believe. I've stayed in one, which is the Holiday Inn, which is right there on 25E. It's a pretty nice place. I stayed there for a few years, actually, before I branched out. But it's it's nice. It's very clean. Good manager. They knew us personally for uh, a little bit, actually, because we were there, like, every three, four weeks. But anyways, if you really don't care about commute, then there's another option about 10 minutes north of Middlesboro, which puts you about a half hour from Wilderness Road State Park, which is the lodge and cottages available at Pine Mountain State Park. And I've stayed there a few times, too. I've stayed in a two-bedroom cottage. I've stayed in a Mountain View Lodge. And worth mentioning... Every room in the lodge has that mountain view, by the way. And it's a tremendous experience to stay there. It really just breaks down to what do you want your location to be in relation to what you're going to be doing. If you're going to hit all three parks and you want to be right in the middle and have a relatively equal drive to all of them, staying in Middlesbrough might be smart. If you're going to explore them kind of one park at a time, You could stay in Pineville when you visit Pine Mountain. You could stay in Middlesbrough when you visit Cumberland Gap. And you could stay in the town of Cumberland Gap when you visit Wilderness Road. Or you could camp at the campground that's about five miles, six miles from Wilderness Road. Or you could camp at Wilderness Road. For me, it's just been a matter of visiting this park so many times and wanting to experience it differently and wanting to invest so much time to this park or that park. So if I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the Virginia side, doing like the Virginia side of the Cumberland Gap and spending some time at the Wilderness Road, which is what I just did within a month or so of recording this episode, then of course it made sense to stay at the Cumberland Gap Inn because it was right there. I had trailheads walking distance from my hotel room which was a really incredible experience that I've personally never had anywhere before. But, like I said, it just depends. Maybe you want to change it up. Maybe you want to base it on what you think you'll be doing the most of and where. Maybe you don't care and you're just going to pick the place that's got the best view or easiest access to the best food. And speaking of food... Worth mentioning, the food offerings in the area are pretty solid. The Lodge at Pine Mountain has fantastic food, and you've heard me go on and on a few times about the catfish dinner, so don't be afraid to check that out. The dining room also serves people who aren't overnight guests at the Lodge, so don't be a stranger. Go check it out, and of course, 
The money they're making is funding the park, so you can't really lose there. Of course, just north of there is a little diner, little burger joint called Ingles, a family-owned place, really good burgers. Downtown Pineville, you've got a pizza place called Sauced. Really cool place. They do uh, pizza and wings, but they do it like Chipotle does. You tell them what to put on there. They put it on there right in front of you, and then they stick it in the oven. It's kind of cool. Middlesboro is kind of the hub of all the brands you know. Hardee's, Cracker Barrel, KFC, so on, so on. Nothing really to write home about. I haven't been downtown Middlesboro too much. I think there's a couple of mom-and-pop places down that way. But it's mostly going to be like brand name, fast food, and a couple of fast casual places. Not bad options, just wait till I tell you about the, the new one I discovered and you'll probably ignore fast food the majority of the time you're there. The two, probably the two best options between Middlesboro and in Virginia that you've got to eat are both in the town of Cumberland Gap, which is technically Tennessee, uh, crazy as that may sound. And they have two amazing, outstanding choices, both of which have the most convenient location to Wilderness Road State Park. So if you're looking to go grab a bite and then head back and you didn't pack a picnic, you'd want to stop in Cumberland Gap Town in Tennessee and give one of two places a try. One is, of course, the Gap Creek Coffee House, which I've been going to for a year and a half, two years now. It's a little place that's got great coffee, amazing sandwiches, sweet treats, and more. Every time I'm in the area, I make sure I stop there for lunch. I get the grilled cheese panini, add bacon. It's absolutely outstanding. comes with chips and a pickle. And the price isn't all that bad, really, when you think about it. I think it's six, seven, eight bucks a person. It's just not bad. At least, not for a Cincinnati kid. That's that's about what we're used to up here in Cincinnati. Just about anywhere you go, that's what we consider a decent price would be between 7 and 10 bucks a person. But then, there's my newest discovery. I ate there for the first and second time since I recorded the first two parts of this podcast episode. Never ate there up until maybe a week, two weeks, after I finished recording the second part of this episode. And the name of this restaurant is Angelo's in the Gap. It's a little Italian place. It's got a full bar. They've got the best pizza, wings, and garlic rolls I have ever had. Hands down. Be sure to stop by and give their excellent Italian cuisine a shot because you will not regret it. The day I ate there, I had just pulled into town, I think 48 hours after my dad did. We were meeting up to do a day of hiking and hanging out before we both drove home. I had actually gone 24 hours prior to another state park in Kentucky, Blue Licks Battlefield which is also a really cool park. And then he was down in the Cumberland Gap area, so I hit him up and I was like, hey, we could meet up, do 10, 15 miles, and then go have a good meal. Of course, he was down for it, so I made the two-and-a-half, three-hour drive down there. 
and of course he he said wait until you try this Italian place that's a block away from the hotel and of course I'm a pizza fiend I could eat pizza and wings every day until I die being in my mid-twenties that's gonna be a while so you can imagine how I feel so definitely if I was gonna tell you go to these two places if you don't go anywhere else I recommend I would say Gap Creek Coffee House and Angelo's in the Gap two places you could absolutely not go wrong with and the pricing on both especially when you consider what you're getting is not bad whatsoever so, of course, I always mention shopping as part of what's in the area, what there is to do, and you might remember me saying in the past two parts of the episode that shopping in this area is kind of kept to a minimum. There used to be a lot, and you can tell there used to be a lot, but that was when coal was a thing down there, and it really no longer is, pretty much. So... There's not a whole lot of retail shopping because there's not a whole lot of people in the area who would want to go shopping. There's a little mall in Middlesboro, somewhat sleepy. There's a couple of cool places there to go, though. There's an antique shop or two in the area, one of which is in the town of Cumberland Gap. I think the other is in Middlesboro, but it might be Harrogate. And... Uh, there's enough to do if you're looking to pass a little time, if you're like, oh, it started raining and I forgot my jacket, so I'll just go do a little shopping until the shower's over. There's enough to keep you busy for that, but there's not enough to make a day of it. It's just not what you'd go to the area for. So, with that said, I've pretty much told you all I can about the area, and I am very excited to tell you about the trails at Wilderness Road State Park. There's only actually a few trails at Wilderness Road, but despite that, there is north of 10 miles of hiking in the park. One of the trails, of course, is the Wilderness Road Trail, which offers you an opportunity to hike, bike, ride a horse, whatever you wish. It spans almost nine miles, and of course it covers a section of Daniel Boone's historic Wilderness Road. Another trail is the Indian Mound Trail. It covers just under a mile and takes you by some of the unique uh, reconstructed historical sites housed in the park. Those two trails are pretty easy, but they're still very scenic and worthwhile. I would love to take a few minutes and talk about the Wilderness Road Trail, though. What a magnificent trail. So much to see, so much history, and just overall a fantastic trail. Now this is, like I said, about nine miles long. Nine miles of the original Daniel Boone Wilderness Road, of course. It's quite a fascinating thought to process the fact that you're on a trail forged by Daniel Boone just because he was around so long ago. What's amazing about this trail is that it's almost completely flat, and it's therefore a good place to hike, run, just take a walk. You can bike it. Uh, you can even take your horses back there. That's permitted, and there's places to tie them up if you want to hop off and set up a picnic or do whatever. Just take a rest. 
So it's pretty much nine wide open miles for a nice variety of recreation activities. Along the trail, like I said, you'll find a few places to rest, some of which have places to tie up your horse. And the there's plenty of restrooms. You have three, actually, from one end of the trail to the other. Uh, the outside ends are porta-potties, and in the middle, right in the middle, is where the visitor center is. But what will really enchant you about this trail is that as you follow the trail... You have an opportunity to see so many different sides of life in a rural area. There's a couple places of industry along the trail. There's a few farms. And there's a wilderness area, of course, right towards the middle. And that's part of the state park, of course. And there's also a little village with a couple historical buildings at one point. I usually start in the middle of the trail at the visitor center and then go out and back one side or the other. My favorite section of the trail starts at the visitor center and goes east to the east trailhead. Starting in the middle puts a real restroom with sinks and flush toilets, as well as a gift shop with snacks and drinks at your start and end point, which some may find convenient or otherwise appealing, and that's why I do it that way. This is really just a peaceful walk, not entirely overcrowded, it's very well maintained, and the views looking north to the Cumberland Mountains from various clearings and open spaces along the trail are absolutely mesmerizing. You're all the way at the bottom looking all the way up. This trail is a must-do if you're in the area. It's a really easy trail, and the one thing I might say as a word of caution just make sure, because of the mileage and the time commitment, if you plan to do the whole thing, make sure you bring enough to eat and drink. Um, I speak from experience. So my experience in the park pretty much goes the same way every time. I do pretty much the same thing in the same order every time I go to Wilderness Road State Park. First, and not to sound lame, I go to the visitor center. Uh, there I use the bathroom, because usually I've been in the car for a little bit, and I pay the entrance fee. They do charge an entrance fee, I believe I mentioned that earlier, but it's worth it. It's like $5, and all the money goes towards the park, so you really can't be too mad at it. And again, this uh, visitor center is where the museum and the theater are, so be sure to check those out. I've heard wonderful things. Then, after I've hit the visitor center, I'll usually go back to the car, get anything I need, double-check my hiking bag, make sure it's got everything I'm going to want, especially in terms of snack and drink, and double emphasis on that if it's like summer, late summer, and it's getting pretty hot out. But, oh my goodness, what a special trail. And, of course, you know I'm talking about Wilderness Road. Like I said earlier, there's practically no difficulty, except for the distance. And so, after I've been to the visitor center, I'll usually start the section of the Wilderness Road trail that I'm going to be doing that day. And so, 
I usually start from the visitor center, of course, and generally my route goes to the east terminus. There's a parking lot there, as well as a porta potty and a couple of picnic tables. So don't be afraid to take a nice break once you get there if you arrive there after hiking from the visitor center. Of course, you could also simply park at this parking lot and go west towards the visitor center and eventually to the western terminus, which is, of course, nine miles away if you start from the eastern trailhead. And the distance out to the east terminus from the visitor center is about two miles, maybe two and a third, but it's almost completely flat the whole way, and there's benches along the way, so you can take a break on your way there. But what really makes me love this trail is the view of the mountains that you get. It's truly a unique perspective. For this trail, you're at the bottom looking up, and the mountains, this section of the Cumberland Mountains, are really abrupt and sudden, very in-your-face. There's a couple of more sloped, drawn-out areas, of course, but most of the mountains are just a wall, and all of the slope you'll find if you go to the Cumberland Gap side of the park, the area, that that's where the slope is, is all north of there. But of course, this section of the Cumberland Mountains, like I said, is kind of a wall, and you get to look at it from the bottom. And you go to social media, you get on YouTube, all the great pictures that you see of mountains are from overlooks at a high altitude point looking out over vast mountains either from an altitude that's the same or slightly higher. You get to look out over everything, but you don't always get to look up at the mountains. And that's when you really start to realize, even the ones that are 18, 22, 2500 feet tall are huge. They make you feel really small standing at the base of them like that. So if there's no other reason you think there is to take this trail, go look at these mountains from the bottom up. It's really cool. Of course, usually Wilderness Road is a park I hit generally in the morning, and of course after I have hiked some or all of the Wilderness Road, I'll go over to the nearby town of Cumberland Gap, or perhaps Middlesboro for some lunch. But usually my stop will be the town of Cumberland Gap, of course, where you've heard me say numerous times that I will go to the Gap Creek Coffee House for lunch. My favorite item on the menu is the grilled cheese panini with bacon. They also put some kind of spicy horseradish sauce on there. It's very good, very good. But of course, I'm biased. I happen to love the area, and I happen to love that particular joint. Of course, they have pastries, coffee, ice cream, and obviously sandwiches. So pretty much whatever you want, they'll have. And I highly recommend stopping there for a little lunch break on your next hiking trip to the Cumberland Gap area. Now, we've been down the road before of animals in the Cumberland Gap area. I've told you a couple times in the other episodes, but 
I'll give you the information again now so you don't have to refer to those episodes, which would involve a lot of clicking and fast-forwarding. So you're down in the Appalachian chain now, which means you've got copperheads, rattlers, and maybe a handful of small black bear. No different from the other two parks. Nothing new to report. Unfortunately, what few bears there were are getting killed off by mange. If I have my facts right, black bears... I don't know about the other kinds of bear because I've never been to the regions where they are. But these small black bears that you see in the Smokies and the Cumberland Mountains, I don't know that they're necessarily hibernating where they just go into a cave and sleep for five, six months. I don't think anybody could really rule out seeing one in the winter, although you never know. I've never seen a bear at any of the three parks in the two, three, four, five, I think five years I've been going there now. Wow, time really flies. Haven't seen a bear. Haven't heard of anybody else seeing a bear. There are uh, a few bobcat in the area. Somebody thought they saw one a couple years ago. That never really turned into anything. And pretty much everything in the area doesn't want to make contact with humans. These animals are not accustomed to seeing humans. I know a few species down in the Smoky Mountains might be because they get millions of visitors every year. But the Cumberland Gap area is home of animals that are still truly wild and therefore very shy and antisocial, especially when it comes to humans. Since you really never do know what you might run into, I do always recommend people carry bear spray, or if you have the permit, maybe a handgun. But if you're going to go the gun route, just make note of these two things. You probably already know these, but I'll just throw it out there anyways. Number one, you're probably not going to take down an angry large animal like a bear with a pea shooter. The only reason you would be using it to defend yourself is to fire shots into the ground in hopes of scaring the bear away. And of course, that's if it's charging you. There's no reason to be out there making trouble for no reason. And of course, you know what you're getting yourself into if you try to provoke a bear. But number two, you got to know where you can have it and where you can't. For instance, going back to our Cumberland Gap episode, the Cumberland Gap National Historical Park does have a visitor center, but firearms are not permitted. As a matter of fact, weapons of any sort are not permitted. So it's just a matter of knowing where you can take it and where you can't. It's fine to have it on the trail, but it's not fine to have it anywhere else. So you really got to pay attention. However, the signage for all these related types of things is great. All you got to do is pay attention and plan ahead. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to talk to the rangers. They know everything and they really are there to help. And of course, they love talking about their park and the rules and resources that keep it going. All right, so we're beginning to wrap up the third part of our Cumberland Gap episode. But before we do, Let's talk about one thing I never go on a hike without. 
Now, one thing I never go hiking without is outside world contact. It might sound lame or cheesy, but I never leave for a hike without a friend, a relative, or my phone. But if it's my phone, I know for a fact ahead of time that I will not at any time entirely lose my signal. And now, this is worth mentioning, since the last episode got recorded, I purchased the new iPhone 14 with satellite SOS technology. So now, no matter where I go, there will never be a time when I'm completely alone. And I'll talk more about my phone in a second. Now, you're probably asking why I'm emphasizing this so much. Now, we can take a step back and block out all of the being out in the woods and somebody kidnaps you or holds you under a weapon and asks for your money or whatever. We can even forget about the few who disappear completely and it turns out to be foul play. That stuff is rare, although it happens. We can also push out the rare animal attacks and the trees falling on people because that's the stuff you know about that you hear on the news. And of course, it happens, and every time it happens, you see it on the news. It's like any other major event. There's so many successful hikes where people don't get attacked or kidnapped or or otherwise messed with. And you don't hear about those on the news. You only hear about the ones that go south, the ones where people do get attacked. But right now, if for no other reason you'd consider never leaving for a hike without outside world contact, let's just talk about the commonplace components of when things go wrong in the woods. The things that really do happen all the time that you wouldn't hear about on the news, and it could be inconvenient or even dangerous. Let's say you're going down a little bit of a slope or uh, going down a incline and a rock slips out from under one of your feet and causes you to roll an ankle. Maybe you fall and land on your arm weird, which causes a gash to open up or a a bone to break. Worst case, maybe you fell and hit your head pretty good. Now, if this leaves you unable to finish the hike or backtrack to the trailhead or to the last checkpoint for help, how many hours might it be before somebody walks by? How many hours could it be before somebody's within earshot of you hollering out, screaming, Maybe maybe you have a little pea shooter with you and you're firing shots into the ground trying to get somebody's attention. Maybe you have your safety whistle. Now, all three of those have wor- worked before, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't be proven methods of emergency contact. I even saw on uh, some show about uh, Maine Wilderness, uh, somebody, and somebody that was lost and a ranger were in an exchange of... Uh, they, fired, they were firing rounds with their rifle into the ground to try and pinpoint where they were so that they could meet up with each other and the guy could get rescued and taken back into the into the heat because it was cold that time of year I saw that on a TV show but what if nobody's within earshot of any of the noise making that you could do so you're just sitting there maybe you hit your head and you're a little disoriented and you know that you're hurt but You don't really know what to do, or you don't really feel like you can get up and walk. Or if you rolled your ankle or broke your leg, you're done. 
So you just got to sit there until either somebody walks by or until you make contact with emergency services through some kind of satellite phone or one of those little GPS beacon things where you just press the button and send somebody your coordinates, lets them know that you're in danger. Or in my case, the iPhone 14, which has SOS technology. I'll tell you, it's always worth having that extra little safety cushion. It can't hurt. And of course, you always see those signs that say never hike alone, and they're very hard to miss. I've never seen a trailhead that didn't have one of those signs. And they're there for a reason. Now, even if your chances of survival are pretty good, or in the case of a leg break or something, I'd say maybe even 100%, just as long as somebody, you know, is able to come get you, you're still going to be in a lot of pain. Now, you can even forget the danger part of it for a minute and think, how many hours do you want to be in pain? And if you break your leg, maybe somebody will walk by in five hours, but for that five hours, you're you're miserable. Even if you're fed, even if you can reach your bag and you got food to eat, you're miserable. You're in so much pain. I broke my wrist about 10 years ago, and I got I got help immediately because I was at school. And I'll tell you, that was still awful. But... You just would love to be able to close that time gap between injury and medical attention, wouldn't you? And that's why I would say a friend, a relative, or a satellite phone, a GPS system with SOS capability, or now in my case, the new iPhone, are viable options that could help protect you, not from the danger of the woods, but from the potentially long wait times to get help. No one can help you if they don't know where you are, or if you're, maybe they don't even know you're hurt because you weren't able to send an emergency message. Of course, where bringing a friend could come in, and I usually double up, I'll bring somebody with me and have my SOS-capable iPhone, but bringing a friend could be a wise move too because if they remember the way back to the trailhead, I mean, maybe you only started the trail two, four, you know, eight, ten miles ago. If neither of you have contact with the outside world, having somebody with you, they can go back. You know, they can go back and get help. So that's why I say, whether you bring somebody with you or whether you bring a device with you, never hike alone. Because you never know. Chances are low, but never zero. Now, of course, as I mentioned earlier, I did recently purchase the new iPhone 14 with uh, satellite capability. And of course, so far with the operating system designed the way it is, the SOS feature, or I should say the satellite feature, is designed for SOS purposes only, and iPhone users are not encouraged to use it for any other purpose. So I haven't really tested it out. I haven't been in an emergency situation. I'm grateful for that. But I went that route because of weight reduction. I'm an all-in-one kind of guy. So if I have an iPhone, I have a decent camera, I have my music, sometimes I listen to music in the woods, I have my regular phone, and I have my satellite-capable emergency device. Now, all of this is in one little device, all in one. I didn't get a separate camera, I didn't have to get a separate phone, a separate GPS, 
It's all in one. It wasn't always that way. We can take the time to appreciate now that it, it can be that way. So if you're looking for weight reduction or just convenience, having it all in one place, everything that you want with you in the woods, the new iPhone's a pretty good way to go. Now, if you want professional-level photographs, you're going to go out and get a $2,400 camera and probably a $600 lens to go with it. But if you're okay with a decent camera, and it is, it is a pretty solid camera, then you really will have everything you would generally take in the woods, electronics-wise, in one device, which I think is priceless. You, know, you only have so many pockets. There's only so many pounds of stuff you want to carry around, especially if you're backpacking. So, while I don't usually push products from a major multi-billion dollar company, this is one purchase where I'll gladly set that aside, because in this case, it doesn't matter who made it. It just matters that it exists. And if anybody that is from a smaller company comes out with their own version of it, so be it. That'll satisfy those of us who do generally try to shop small, or smaller, I should say. And with that, we have wrapped up our Wilderness Road episode of Nature's Finest, thereby concluding our three-part Cumberland Gap Area episode. I do want to remind everyone to do their own research and know their own limits. While I'm a pro in my own mind, that's all I am. And while I hope you find this podcast inspiring and entertaining, I hope you'll call the ranger station or look on a credible website as part of planning for your trip. Always keep in mind the rules and the fire danger level of the park you're visiting. These are all in place to protect you and our beautiful parks. Next time on Nature's Finest, we have a special episode I'm going to be introducing a new segment called On the Road with Nature's Finest, where I take you slightly outside of the area I usually focus on, and possibly on a faraway, kind of once-in-a-lifetime adventure. Or at least adventures that feel once-in-a-lifetime. Next time on Nature's Finest, we are going two states away from our typical territory, and we're going to get a little wet. For the first time on the show, we're going to be not on just one island, but four. Four islands. As a matter of fact, we haven't been on any islands yet. We're going to be taking walks, hikes, and lots of pictures. Massive waterfalls are plentiful in this little park, and several other parks are nearby to further multiply the recreation and fun potential. Next week... Niagara Falls State Park in New York will be one of a few stops as we cruise up the coast of the Niagara River. That's going to be a really special episode, and I hope you'll check it out. Until then, I'm Garrett, and this has been Nature's Finest. Get out there and hit the trail, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>